new year new me um we have not done an episode over christmas we know you've missed us sorry about that um but we are back with a bang and we are here with obviously my co-host mads hello hannah it feels like we haven't done this for a long time now (laughs) it feels way too long i'm having withdrawals and you're in dubai which is just not cool because i've got now distance i'm emotional I know, I'm so sorry about this. And it's been Christmas <laughs> since, and now you've started prep and we still haven't had sushi, which is really annoying. I thought about that last night and I was like, as if we didn't get our sushi in. Sorry, we can have celebratory sushi at the end of the season. Yeah, if Ross wants to give me a refeed at any time. Like, if he's listening, hello. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we in March as well, so if Ross wants to plan it around that. Oh, perfect. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that voice you just heard is our friend Daz, who is calling in from Australia. So we are international right now. All over the world. Um, and Daz, if you want to introduce yourself, as I said, I don't want to butcher your introduction. Um, so I'm Daz, Coach Darian Bates on Instagram. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm an online coach. Uh, some people would say I'm a bikini competitor but I really don't like kind of class myself as that like I did one competition I will probably compete again I'm really not too sure but I really don't classify myself as that I think that's just something that I fell into and you know given my level of mass, muscle mass I guess and the I don't know I guess the industry that we're in you say I'm a bikini competitor and I'm an online coach but I'm really yeah someone that wears a bikini for a check-in I feel like um, we're all just disguising ourselves as wellness or bikini here. And yeah. we're actually all just massive bodybuilders. Yeah. And, uh, and sorry, and recently I just joined the Physique Collective as the female PED educator. Which is yeah, really I think cool. this is, yeah, I think this is incredible and something that as soon as I, um, as soon as I saw it, I sent it straight to Hannah and I was like, we need to get her on because <laughs> and it's it's so, it's good because in the UK, there's not many people who are, one like promoting talking about it and two actually educated enough to be able to talk about it from a a real like educated background and know what they're talking about and I know you're not in the UK but obviously Physique Collective is a UK based company like prep company and yeah I think that it's really important that we like when we have people like this we can spread it and and get you on so I personally thank you for coming on I think it's going to be good. No, I definitely appreciate it. I kind of fell into this realm um, because it actually started with me having to onboard HRT and then um, that kind of dived into bodybuilding. So um, it's all come through, through uh, full circle now because Joe was the first one that I consulted with to start the process. That's amazing. Um, and we also shout out to Joe and the rest of the Physique Collective team because they are making waves in not just the UK but around the world with regards to female health education um and Joe is a genius so uh, if anyone wants to learn more about any topic not just female health or um head usage but anything at all um you've got people on there that talk about biometrics as well and training so I think I saw one the other day about a a chap who was doing some meal prep advice. So, yes, um, there's loads and loads on there. Um, So check that out if anyone is interested in learning more about that. Um, But, yeah, we've got Daz on the podcast today. Obviously, the series, as you all know by now, um, is Pandora's Box. And we're opening and we're lifting the lid on female health uh, and the taboos that surround that. Um, And as we know, 
Mads and I are using FemTest for um, TRT, uh, testosterone replacement. Um, and when we saw that Daz has been experiencing this, like first-hand experience, I think it was actually Christian that tagged me in the in the post being like, we are welcoming Daz to the team. Um, but I was like, we need to talk to her and Mads had sent me your your profile as well so all the stars aligned and um we had to reach out to get you on so yeah uh, to echo Mads thank you very much for coming on um and yeah I, I, I'm gonna leave it up to you but I'd be interested to hear your story and I think everyone else that's listening would be too um so at the age of and this is a long time ago so i'm probably going to muddle up the timeline a little bit but generally when i was 13 or 14 years old i was diagnosed with anorexia nervosa um i suffered with that for quite a long time and it got quite significant um i had regular G uh, visits to my gp and then regular visits to the emergency room um funny enough one time when i went to the emergency room they as they did every time, sent me home with a meal plan saying that there wasn't much education around anorexia. There still isn't. Um, and because mm. there's just, there's there's not enough research into it. We don't know how, how they come on board or anything like that. Um, but essentially you couldn't get admitted into hospital until your organs were failing. So I got sent home one time with a meal plan. And then that afternoon, my mum rushed me back and I ended up in intensive care. Um, they pretty much said to my parents that I might not make it the night because my heartbeat was just far too low. I think my heartbeat was at like 27 or 28 beats a minute. Um, wow. Yeah. So I, I was at the point where it's like, you know, she might not wake up tomorrow morning. Um, from there, I spent two weeks in intensive care. Then I spent a few weeks in the coronary care unit. And then I went into um, the eating disorder ward. Um, I spent a few months there. So in the eating disorder ward, it's actually, it's quite dramatic. Like you, they put you on what they call strict bed rest. If you have your leg off the bed and you're moving your leg, you get told to put your leg back on the bed. Uh, if you want to go brush your teeth, you get put in a wheelchair, you get wheelchair, uh, you get wheeled over to the sink. If you want to go eat to the table, you have to get wheelchair to the table. You get washed in the shower um, to make sure that you're not doing any activity and also making sure that you're not causing any harm to yourself. Um, and then twice a week, you have a meeting with the medical team. They kind of assess everything, tell you whether what's changing for that week, whether or not your food's going up, uh, whether or not you're off strict bed rest, or whether or not you are going home. Um, if you refuse to eat any of your meals, you get security gets called up, they kind of hold you down and you get a tube put in you to get, get your nutrients in. Um, so it was quite a horrific, a horrific wow. period. Once you uh, get told that you're allowed to go home, you go into what they call the outpatient ward, uh, where you go, you start off going every, twice a week, then you go weekly, and then they progress that on as fortnightly, monthly, or whatnot. Um, from there, I ended up having to go back into hospital a few times. Um, and when I, I think my mum in particular was in a huge rush to get me healthy before I turned 18 because when you're 18 in Australia you can class as an adult and they can't force you to do anything against your will so unless right. you're at harm of hurting yourself they can't force you into hospital or anything like that so I ended up um 
uh, I ended up kind of just having in and out submissions until I turned 18. I had one submission as an adult um, in the adult world, which is, is even worse because they don't have any of that. It's not a happy environment. Like in the children's world, you know, they're more or the adolescent ward, you've got people there trying to cheer you up, you know, doing activities, art, all that kind of stuff. And uh, they just didn't have that in the adult ward. Um, from there, I went into what they call the Butterfly Day program here, which is in, essentially instead of going to school, you go to this program from nine till three. Uh, you're in there with a bunch of other girls who suffer with eating disorders and you you do, instead of doing like your standard, they will have math and English there. Um, but instead of doing your standard like science and things like that, you do stuff like um, journaling or sharing and all these kind of um, mental health I don't know, of course, this is the best word I can kind of use for them. Yeah. Um, you get, you eat with a nutritionist, you have outings, so like social outings to try and normalize eating out. Um, and then from there, I eventually started gaining weight. Um, and then it kind of turned into bulimia and purging. So I was suffering, uh, so yeah, so binge eating and purging. So I was suffering with bulimia for a few years. Um, full circle come around I once I got into a healthy state I noticed that I just wasn't feeling right like my energy was still very low um I didn't have any libido I didn't have any sex drive or anything like that I wasn't attracted to men um not that I was attracted to women but I just didn't have that you know I didn't I didn't want to date or have sexual interactions with men you um, didn't ever look at anyone and go for I'll have a bit of that yeah oh like I did but <laughs> <laughs> I, I just, I didn't like, um, yeah, yeah, I just didn't have any kind of sexual drive. Um, so I ended up getting uh, a bunch of blood work done. And my coach at the time actually said to me, um, you might be interested in listening to this podcast that Joe had done with uh, Luke Miller on female yeah. PD use um, and like sort of going over their hormones and everything like that. So I did. And um I actually went to go see a bunch of endocrinologists and they wanted to put me on estrogen and progesterone because I had a year prior to that come off the pill, which is a whole nother story in itself, because not only am I having this H, uh, HBO suppression from my eating disorder, but I also yeah. was put on the pill as soon as I turned 15. Uh, just because that's, that's what your parents thought that was supposed to do. As soon as, you know, they start ovulating, put them on the pill so that they don't get pregnant. Can I just interject? Just in yeah question before you started suffering with your eating disorder and were going through uh, all the treatment and everything in hospital um did you actually start your cycle I did so I but I only had about a year of having a cycle right. so it was during that phase of sort of like recovering from the first time of my eating disorder I I got my cycle and then um and then it quickly went again um so I would say that I've never really well like according to sort of like what the endocrinologists say when you look at my blood work and stuff it it would appear as though I haven't hit menopause um or on the other end of it uh, sorry not menopause puberty and then yeah. on the other end of it it would appear as though I was postmenopausal. so um uh, they want to put me on estrogen progesterone but because of my experience with the pill I I was really fighting back for it and I ended up setting up a consultation with Joe when he suggested that I start on testosterone replacement therapy, which I was full on board for. Like I know a lot of females have hesitation towards it now, but 
being my history of being in and out of hospital, I had a strong distrust from the medical system. But then yeah. I was like, I'm going to do just the exact opposite to what they're telling me to do, just out of my own rebellion. And um, you're like, what have I got to lose at this point? Because they've not helped me. So yeah. Um, and so just I was, can I just ask a question? How so? Yeah. How many years ago was that? Now that you had that consultation with Joe, and there was the conversation around starting. It would have been about two or three years ago now. So even then, like this was. I mean, now it's something that's spoken about quite a lot. Like two, three years ago, it was a little bit of a nomad subject. It still is a little bit now. Like I'm, I'm in Dubai this weekend. I've been at a seminar all weekend with Cal Reistrick and John Dewitt and Luke Miller, who you're talking about, and we've been talking about this. And even people here, like higher level coaches, are asking questions about it because it's not really much of a known entity. People know yeah. about it, but don't really understand it. So like two, three years ago. It was even more of a thing that people were like, oh, my God, testosterone, you're giving testosterone to females. Wow. I, and so for that consultation and that conversation to happen and you to be so open to it, I think is, is quite amazing because it's, it's such a, a thing that just wasn't spoken about. No one did that. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. So and I did find out like I would talk to girls in the gym about it. You know, girls that I knew were enhanced and they just had no idea. They and, and people fear what they don't know. Um, there was a lot of pushback. So then I just kind of went silent about it. And then when I heard all these other people talking about it, I was like, oi, yeah. <laughs> I'm the OG. Um, <laughs> but, um, you're like look at my post three that. years ago come on I've been talking about it for ages Don't <laughs> yeah and so then I, I ended up kind of having to get self-educated in it because uh in Australia we don't have fem tests we only have underground testosterone dosed at like 200 250 milligrams of what I know I could get hold of I can like I know people now that do 100 milligrams per meal but I was like I don't know how to even dilute this and Joe sort of walked me through it, but he hasn't done it himself either, but he felt a little bit uncomfortable with me doing it. And um, so I said to Joe, I was like, I need you, I need to see your information on this. Not because I don't trust you, but I need to go to these doctors and have a legitimate rebuttal for what they're suggesting to me. Yeah. Um, so then I, I went in and I was like all studied up and I was like, I'm ready for this. Um, and I ended up finding one endocrinologist that would prescribe me testosterone. And that conversation kind of went about where I was like, if you look, if you don't do it, I'm going to go underground. It's going to be in a less safer environment. I would prefer for you to prescribe it for me so that I can do regular blood work. If this doesn't work, if my, if we don't see, you know, my HPR axis kind of, uh, well, sorry, my HPR axis wouldn't re reboot itself. But if I don't see my natural testosterone levels kind of come up, well, not my natural, but, you know, come back to physiological ranges, if I don't see my estrogen improve or anything like that, then yes, we'll onboard the estrogen and progesterone. I just want to feel better and I don't want to fight you about this. Yeah. She ended up prescribing the cream and then we ended up being able to get some from the UK anyway. So I ended up going underground. Um, I then went through my first prep. So I went through a, um, a full off season into a prep and then coming out of that, um, my body composition just like when I gained when I gained weight and to be honest this is probably the only thing that I really picked up on um all that in my mood I was very irritable but um I noticed when I was gaining weight a lot of it was going towards my stomach and I knew that like sort of with females if the ovaries aren't producing to, uh, estrogen then the adrenals are going to take over and so I was like I really think that this is a low symptoms of low estrogen what I'm experiencing I've got a lot of subcutaneous fat, but my legs are still like shredded. Like I still got veins coming through my, my calves. And so I, um, 
I went to go get blood work done and um, I had estrogen progesterone from when she like previously prescribed it from me, um, but it wasn't the transdermal. So uh, yeah, I went back to her and then now I'm on everything. Um, and when I say everything, I'm on uh, testosterone, estrogen, progesterone, and uh, thyroid. I think that brings us up to speed. Okay, so from when was your last prep? Because obviously I had a little spin through your Instagram, um, but I didn't see any timelines for your last prep. Uh, so my my uh, show was in April last year. Oh, okay. So still in the grand scheme of things, if we're talking about this whole timeline from teenage to now, it's still quite recent. Yeah. So the estrogen progesterone is quite recent. The testosterone I've probably been on for about two years now. Two, two, two and a half years. Yeah. So the reason that you then added estrogen and progesterone in um, was because you just noticed those things had you not noticed them previously was the testosterone sufficient did you see that your blood work and your markers improved after adding yeah. in testosterone yeah so prior to my show um there was plenty of uh well not plenty of testosterone but there was enough testosterone aromatizing into estrogen um that i was i was happy just sitting there and then as my body weight got lower um activity inevitably went higher um, I noticed further suppression of my HPV, a HPTA axis, and then that's when I had to uh, onboard the estrogen and progesterone. So when you when you were going through this, did you um, talking about your menstrual cycle? So at this point, were you having a regular menstrual cycle or not having a regular menstrual cycle, and how how was that affected? Because I know about um, understanding about putting in estrogen and progesterone in different doses to try and bring about a menstrual cycle, even for people who are running TRT, where that, aromatize, that, that aromatization is great for estrogen, but in order to bring about a cycle, you need progesterone to start that process. So is that why it was implemented as well? Because you weren't seeing that ovulatory cycle come in? What was the kind of basis for that um, decision making? Uh, no, it wasn't because I haven't had a menstrual cycle since my first year of bleeding um, and it's unlikely that I'll ever experience one again. If someone was having a menstrual cycle or, you know, it recently just stopped or something like that, that's when we would kind of phase those doses of progesterone. So we might start at like 100 milligrams, kind of the first, uh, the follicular phase and then go up to 150 milligrams for the luteal phase so that we can see that shredding of the uteral lining or endometrial lining. But uh, for me, I'm just on a steady dose of progesterone, um, and that's purely to combat uh, combat the side effects of estrogen. Interesting. Did um, did your TRT dose change through this time as well to try and increase levels of um, E2, your your estrogen, or did it just remain, or did you trial increasing that as well to see if that dose? No, no, you're, um, that's a very good point. Um, I started at three milligrams a week and then um, we we redid bloods after four to six weeks. I, I jumped on a call with Joe again and now I sit on six milligrams a week. Just uh, from a, a life experience I've had um, off the back of my hormones being in the floor, um, there was a lot of concern around my bone density. Um, and then harking back to what you were saying about your eating disorder um, in your teenage years and now having to uh, supplement or sort of 
synthetically add in these hormones. Have you had any DEXA scans or have they investigated your bone density at all? Yeah, so I, I guess luckily, I don't, I don't know if I'd call it lucky, but um, every year I'm entitled to get a bone density scan. Um, I can't remember what the test is actually called, but you lie in a machine, you've got to be completely still and you go through it. It's like an MRI type thing. Yeah, um, a DEXA. And, uh, no, no, the DEXA is body composition. This one's like a, a huge, a huge machine. Like in you, it's like a, it's an MRI machine. Oh, okay. Yeah, I um, think in the UK that is the DEXA scan, right? Yeah. Oh, that's what we call it in the UK. Yeah, and you yeah, get a full, one. a full scan of density, muscularity, everything. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so I this had one. This one is only available week. in the hospitals, um, but it might be something. It might be something different, or it might just be terms, or maybe I'm just totally butchering the name whatsoever. Um, but <laughs> I, I, I do, I do get one of them um, every year in hospital. They did it a little bit more regularly. But I did experience, um, yeah, uh, because they, they're obviously monitoring osteoporosis and things like that, mm. not just from an eating disorder perspective, but then kind of like to a to a bigger extent, the total shutdown of estrogen. Um, so yeah, I, I did get that done, and there was um, there was some bone loss and obviously muscle loss and things like that. Um, but given where where education was at that point, there was nothing really implemented apart from refeeding at that at that stage. Okay, that's interesting. Um, I think that the idea of bone density, I've spoken to a few friends off the back of this podcast, um, and that scared a few people because uh, potentially they had someone in their family that suffered with osteoporosis. Um, and then they've been on the um, the injection, which we had a fantastic episode, a couple of fantastic episodes with a lady called Olivia, um, who is a fellow Aussie. And uh, she was oh, talking about She's coming up with the Femtech. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I'm getting one. Oh, I've signed up for the wait list for January. So I, I'm waiting for it to come up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, this just confirms how much of a small world bodybuilding is right I know we're talking about the same topic and you're down in Australia but you're like oh yeah I know her and I'm getting her yeah <laughs> yeah we that, that's sort of like how I uh, when I was saying that I had been on the pill previously I knew the effects that that has on the female physiology that I didn't then want to introduce progesterone and estrogen again she um uh, she wasn't the one presenting but she was at this sort of the same seminar her name's Holly Sinclair um so I was at a seminar with her and she kind of taught me all about it and then the next day I went off the pill and she was like maybe you should put some supplementation in first but <laughs> the next day I went off the pill and um but she was at that seminar so that's sort of like how I, I got to know her this is like one of those moments where you go well, you live in Australia I know someone that lives in Australia <laughs> and then you'd obviously look at us and be like mm, I don't know her it's a massive country oh Olivia yeah yeah I know her yeah yeah she um I don't think she would know who I was but I definitely like she's got a very recognizable face but I'm like yes yeah I know you yeah um so yeah we all the time so sorry she used to have really colored hair all the time I mean yeah stands out even more Um, I can see that she's she's wacky I can see that I like it she's a doula so it says it all yeah um but yeah so we had a, an episode where specifically we talked about the I'm going to butcher this again depot depot injection yeah the depot oh, yeah. injection 
we we'll call it depot. Um, depot I've called Provera. it depot and depot. Yes, depot mm. Provera. Um, we talked about that, and and one of my friends whose grandmother had osteoporosis, she'd been on that injection, well, as well as um, the pill and some other things over the years, um, and she, that kind of scared her because you can talk about oh well I don't have a period and some people see that as like oh, it's easier um, but as soon as you start talking about oh yeah but you're not actually going to be able to walk up the stairs when you're older that's when they're like, oh no 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 hold up hold up I, I don't want well, that. We, we run into the same issue with androgen use like we can say to females um okay so like the visual side effects that you're going to get are you know you might get growth of an adam's apple deepening of the voice unwanted hair growth um and an androgenic alopecia and then they're like oh i haven't experienced that yet and i'm like okay but you're missing the one about the full shutdown of your hormonal productive system mm. like reproductive system sorry it's like you're missing the big picture here i know that it doesn't matter to you now because you're in your early 20s but what about when you hit 30 and bodybuilding isn't there anymore and you don't care about what you look like like or they're in their early 20s and they go yeah but i don't want kids oh yeah because like yeah well i'm i'm 20 i'm nearly 29 i'm pretty certain that i don't want kids but i also think that's a reflection of how shut down my hormones have been that i've never had that maternal instinct um my mom that's an interesting yeah that's interesting because that makes perfect sense like yeah. you're we, we spoke about this in one of the early early episodes about how you're like hannah saying I just feel a bit numb all the time and like how your emotional well-being and your even your relationships with people and the thoughts that you want the feelings that you have are actually a direct correlation to the hormones that you're experiencing or not experiencing and therefore that actually has an impact on the life decisions that you make because you don't you don't you're not able to maybe have an emotional connection or even like an emotional decision to something because the emotions are so suppressed because the hormones just aren't there which I think is a really interesting topic. And I think you could go into that so much with like careers that people take and the positions they end up in and all that sort of stuff. But I think that's a really interesting and super valid point. Yeah. And if you look at like all the other females in my family, they're hugely maternal. Like they, yeah, they're encouraging all their grandchildren to have more kids so that they can just babysit kind of thing. And whereas I'm like, do you want to hold the baby? Absolutely not. Yeah. <laughs> I'm happy here with my chicken and rice. Yeah, I, I think this brings about a bit of education to early competitors as well, because there, there is potentially competitors who want both, which is really difficult. So I was actually discussing this with Luke Miller this weekend and his wife um, about his wife, who they're actually expecting a baby in March, which is incredible. Yeah. But he she's brought her competitive journey kind of shorter or cut it shorter because they want children. And having this conversation like she's a figure athlete, she's incredible, but obviously assisted. And he's obviously an assisted athlete. And they had a conversation around, you know, having children. So she went and had um, some tests done to see the like the ovarian maturity that she's got and the position that she would be in to, to have children and was told that it was for um, I don't know the exact um, amounts, but I'm sure he won't mind me saying like for somebody in their 20s had like the age of someone in their 30s just because of the bodybuilding and the the um, the androgen use. So they made the smart decision to they've had IVF and, and she's pregnant, but they were like, OK, we need to see if this is going to be a problem. And if therefore we can make a decision around when we're going to have children, because do we need to freeze eggs? Do we need to collect sperm? And I think there's people that 
actually want both. They want to have a successful bodybuilding career in their 20s, be able to, you know, they might be a great figure athlete or whatever, and they need to, they're going to have to use androgens, but they also potentially still want children in the future. So actually educating on this early and saying, okay, well, there is options. Like you can freeze eggs, you know, you can collect sperm and you can do this so that there is a route in the future instead of relying on your natural production. Whereas if you leave it too late, that is potentially not an option. So that education early onset in bodybuilding I think is really really vital I think too like uh, females they they might look at the top in the industry so the people on the Olympia stage and are they implementing the things that we're speaking about today probably not but they're also very resilient their bodies are naturally very resilient which is why they're able to diet in and out and they're able to kind of run PDs or antigens for as long as what they do but for the general public like the other you know 100,000 female bikini competitors that we've got, you'll see this, like, you have a female come to you who's, you know, she's taken enough time off show, but she's still not dropping weight, even though she's in a deficit. And I'm like, what you don't understand is that you have had this HPTA suppression from your previous comps. The more that you try to diet, the harder it is to regain that naturally. Mm. I think it's important to say as well, obviously, we're talking about assisted females here. Um, but the natties, like they don't get out of it unscathed um, because at the end of the day, like you could have performance enhancing drugs or not. You could have TRT or not. At the end of the day, dieting is impactful on your your hormones. So um, where we're talking about. Sorry, for the most part, like if you are looking to compete and continually compete year and year and year, it's probably healthier that we implement some kind of hormonal replacement therapy to get you back to physiological ranges rather than you constantly depleting yourself. Yeah, 100%. Now you can create that hormonal baseline so that you haven't got somebody coming out of the back of a prep, having to spend a year to 18 months regaining that only to be like, yes, you've regained it. Okay, let's pull it back again. Like yeah. that, that isn't productive either. And if, you're, if your competitive age is, okay, you're going to do it over five, six years in your early 20s for example if you have to spend 18 months off every single year trying to regain that cycle and hormonal health just to pull it back again like that isn't a good place to be either so just like you would with guys finding that hormonal baseline is actually mm. a, a message to convey sometimes a little bit is you're actually healthier and in a better position from a longevity position not just in the sport but hormonally and physiologically within yourself to actually implement something like that because you think being natural is healthier well actually you potentially causing more long-term damage than having something that is a supportive system for you long term Mm. yeah and with the caliber of athletes that we're seeing today comes another limitation physiologically in maintaining a natural status funnily enough i actually um contacted one of the natural federations here in the uk um i'm not gonna name names because i don't think that's very professional um but yeah, I, I use their contact us form to query this use of um, FemTest for hormonal health um, and I didn't get a reply. So I messaged them again and uh, I said I'd written like a full in-depth, <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, giving them like links to the podcast. So they could have an idea of about what it was if they had any sort of inkling. Um, and uh, yeah, they came back and went, if it's on our website, we're not going to reply to you. And I was like cool i'm i'm guarantee this isn't on the website because this is so specific but here in the uk to get um 
female testosterone or testosterone replacement therapy for a woman it's not a thing like that they will push hrt um on postmenopausal women um and or perimenopausal women and something they've spoken to me about a lot is using hrt but there's never testosterone that's that's not part of the conversation so for this federation to kind of suggest well if it's medical usage then that's okay but if you can't get it prescribed medically then you're kind of you're stuck in a, a rock and a hard place yeah, and unfortunately, um, a lot of the, uh, we're in we're in a fortunate place where like the the meta analysis that came out last year on testosterone replacement therapy in menopausal women, most of the data back from that was very positive that we might see a direction heading within the medical field. But if we even like if we look at competitive athletes who use androgens, and it's we know that uh, estrogen is uh, the the parent hormone to estrogen is testosterone. So if you're using up androgens, everything works in a negative feedback loop, that we're going to see that that suppression from the signaling from your HPTA axis, which is going to shut down your testosterone, which is going to reduce your estrogen and progesterone levels. And it's like it's your body, your body is very smart and it's going to try and balance things as best as it can. It's going to try and fight you as best as it can. It's not just going to respond the way that you think it will from introducing all these compounds. Mm. Um, interesting to get your take on this um as someone that is a coach yourself and that has been working with females for a while also as being part of the physique collective um and you yourself using um hormone replacement therapy what do you think do the coaches that are newer in the industry or less educated that feel the need to speak on things that they don't understand and kind of shut it down as like it's not it's not an an option or it doesn't do what you say it's going to do because you're literally walking talking evidence that works and it does what it says on the tin essentially yeah I think that I think that the due diligence also falls back on the client like I do think that if you're going to choose down to go choose to go down this route then you should have you should seek some kind of understanding and some level of education. I also think that like once a coach prescribes you something, you should say, okay, what does this do? How does it work? And what's the long-term plan to mitigate my health after I, after I stop using it? And if your coach isn't able to answer that, then they're not doing their due diligence. And they don't have to answer that straight off the bat, but they should be able to kind of like refer you on to like, a, you know, I, I learned this from a very educated individual. I'm going to put you onto them so that they can explain to you all the risk involved from using these compounds, why we why we introduce them and what the long-term plan is. But if a coach is, is doing it and they're not trying to understand at the same time, I feel like that's when, okay, you that's a dick move. Like if, if you're kind of, I don't think that any coach is sitting there behind a laptop going, wow, I'm going to like fuck this female up. But I also think at the same time, like if they're, I saw a post from a popular bikini coach in, uh, a story from a popular bikini coach in Australia the other day. And he's like, I know, because I've got some of these old clients that he's had people, because he forgets and he'll have people on Anabar for up to 20 weeks. And I'm like, um, but then he posted a story the other day and he's like, you've got amateur competitors using GH and insulin, but 
but they can't even get a placing. And I'm like, you don't even understand. Like, you don't understand that there's a non-endogenic compounds that are actually safer for a female to use for the longevity of her career, as opposed to being on androgens and being at these super physiological ranges for more time than what she's off these super uh, physiological ranges. Sorry. Yeah. And we know, like, we all have a great understanding that when females, the greatest risk comes from duration of exposure, not to the actual androgen or the total androgen. Yeah, I, I I think there's um, and I, I hope this isn't controversial, but there's a massive ego thing here with long-standing coaches who have been in the industry a long time and historically have got great results, and that's amazing. Great results, okay. Great results doesn't mean great coaching. Great results yeah. can be because you've got a great genetic individual. It can be because the the prep worked out well because you pushed them far. Maybe they ran the wrong drug, but who cares they got they got in shape and they won fantastic like everyone can preach results if they've got them doesn't mean that they necessarily have the best education and when things like this are starting to be spoken about I think it's really important to promote the fact that it's okay to ask for help like the seminar this weekend there's good high level coaches at this seminar there's also a lot of high level coaches that I think should have been at this seminar but think didn't go to the seminar because they're like well I'm on that level I don't need to listen to that person so because mm-hmm. I know what I know Everyone has got an ability to learn more. Even if you sat there and like, oh, I knew all of this. Okay, that's confirmation that you're doing a good job, right? Mm-hmm. So learn from other people, collaborate a little bit more, and actually put down the ego and say, do you know what? There's an opportunity here to. Oh, bless her. Oh, she's frozen. Don't... Matty froze there. Can you hear me now? Yeah. You were you were in a flow, and then it I froze know. you out. <laughs> always does this to me but I think there's an element there of people just asking a little bit like yes okay I've done this for a long time now people are talking about this HRT what does it do why is it good okay I've never run that with my athletes before or I don't know about this I don't know about that but maybe to keep up with the industry and actually look after the health of my athletes I need to learn a little bit more about this and just put my hand up and say I don't know but I'm going to pay for consultation calls with this person this person and this person and I'm going to educate myself and understand and there's a lot of people, I think, resisting it a little bit, not just, I mean, we're using the topic of HRT, TRT, females, but you could apply this across all of bodybuilding where there's just this kind of like ego where they're like, oh, no, um, this is what I've done and I get results. So this is fine. Well, there's a bigger picture here and you need to just learn more. I think also like it, it, it's there's no denying that if you use more, you're going to you're going to get more. But then it kind of comes down to like, yeah, if you, if you use more, you will look better, but you won't look your best because you're shortening the amount of times that you can continue to use more. And I think that's a that's a big misconception here because like we see these coaches that do amazing transformations and, you know, they get the high placings in bikini and stuff like that. But it's like, how long do these girls left have in the sport? Mm. Duration and longevity, it's, it comes hand in hand, doesn't it? Mm. Um I think, yeah, there's always going to be something new. There's always going to be a controversial topic. But I think what there needs to be more of is people taking a step back and drop, leaving their ego at the door and going, OK, well, how can I be better? And something that Mads and I have spoken about probably almost every episode is making your your job as a coach, a good coach, is to make the most of the person that you have in front of you like do everything you can with that person 
to level them up so that they can be the best version of themselves. Don't just sprinkle things in the top to make it easier for you to prep someone or to to off season someone. Um, and so I think that's where this conversation of, well, if their hormones are lacking, then how can I improve their general health, which will in turn help with competing or help with their off season or help with their um, their ability to have children or help with their mental state or anything like that? Yeah. I totally, I totally agree. Like even if we just look at the benefits of estrogen, and it's like it, it's, it's, it plays a huge role in hypertrophy. It plays a huge role in nutrient partitioning, improving your HDL and LDL, level, LDL levels. Um, not to mention like the, the bone density and things like that. It's like you're, you're doing your client a disservice in the long run. Um, but also like I have females that come to me and they're like, I don't care about virilization. Like I don't care about this risk. And I'm like, okay, I, I hear you, and I get that you don't care about it. But I'm putting out all this information about, you know, the risk reduction practices and things like that, that unfortunately I can't coach you because if things go wrong, I can't you go, I can't have you going to other people telling me this is what dad's put me on. Yeah. And I'm sure you feel the same way. Like, it's like, okay, well now, and I'm grateful for it. Like, I'm, I'm glad that I have these limitations in place, but it's like about having that conversation. It's like, I just had an hour long discussion to you as why we're not just going to take Anabar. But it's easy and you've got it there. So you're just... You, you finish the call with saying, okay, cool, I think I still just want to use Anabar because that's what every other bikini competitor is doing. It's like, okay, well, good luck to you. Also, we have to talk to about... Pill, isn't it? Yeah, so easy. People, I think that's a big thing is a barrier of, like, injectables, which people really, really struggle with. And the the reality is most of the time it is, it's a safer practice. Um, yeah. not just Not just because of how we process orals but just because we've got more control the drugs that we can use that are injectables are often like we don't have androgenic effects you know we can utilize things like gh insulin things like that and i think people are a little bit can be scared of that because it's the idea of self-administering which is can be scary i think um and another thing i think people need to really understand about like uh, estrogen and, and women and, and our hormonal health is that estrogen is a, gives massive massive protection to a person in terms of their vital organs and things like that as well it's not a cognitive function it's not just in females but in males as well like mm. estrogen plays a huge role in actual like longevity of health from a protection method um something that john Jewett talks about a lot in his female module is like understanding that it's a really, really important hormone that we have to look after, not just from a muscle building standpoint, but from like a longevity protection method as, as a person in your brain, in your organs is, is so important. And a lot of women taking long-term hormonal contraceptives and then going through REDS, like the relative energy deficiency from prepping and prepping and prepping, constantly seeing that suppressed, like that is going to have long-term effects on you, not just from like a menstrual cycle point of view, but everything else that's going on in the body mm. we are complex beings us females aren't we mm. um, i think that that's another conversation too like if if the coaches aren't taking the time to understand the complexities of female physiology they can't properly properly serve their cohort of females breach yeah yeah, there's like pillars to this, isn't there? There's like health protection, like um, uh, it's a, re a responsibility, an ethical mm. responsibility to the person. And then there's like bodybuilding results. 
and the two have to come together. You can't just get the results and have no like ethical responsibility to the person. Also, if you just have total ethically, eth- efficacy, like responsibility to the person, someone would never prep and they would never do anything because they just need to be healthy all the time. So you've got to get the balance right. And I think that there's those two pillars, which is really important for coaches, but also any like competitors or athletes listening to this, that they need to think about what their coach is doing for them. Like, is is your coach a bit of both? Are they getting results and understand how to get you where you want to be? But at the same time, explaining the risks, how they're going to manage it and understand there is going to be some risk. But at what cost and therefore Mm. what level of athlete are you? Are you at like a level three, four, five athlete going to the Olympia? Therefore, maybe the risk risk ratio is is a little bit higher. Or are you somebody who wants to do this for a year because you like the idea of standing on stage because it's a personal accomplishment it's something you like the idea of okay well your your level there of risk needs to be far 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 lower because it's not your priority in life and I think there's a real importance there of like understanding how to get someone somewhere but also that ethical responsibility and getting them both in a good position depending on the level of athlete and 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 clients need to understand that as well I wish more coaches would say I don't know if you don't you don't know just say it like don't yeah don't don't prescribe what everyone else is doing or or even like if you're uncomfortable doing it and you don't understand it just say that you don't prescribe female PED use to your clients yeah yeah I, think I, I mean well, there's nothing that. wrong with getting advice either like if you're as a coach you can say yeah. I don't know the answer to that because it's a little yes. bit complex your situation is quite complex I've got a client who's got quite a complex situation at the moment and I've sought advice from like Luke Miller for example it's like okay I don't I know quite a lot, but I don't quite know how to fix this, but I'm going to go and find out some more information. I'm going to come back to you with that and let's collaborate and talk about how we're going to fix this and be honest about it. Because I think that's that's really important because then you've given a bit of vulnerability from yourself to say, I'm not going to just prescribe something where I don't know or pretend, you know, and then it can go completely wrong. You can say we're going to work this out together and we're going to pull this information. and We're going to talk about it. And I think that is really important. I say I say that to like females that have consults with me as well. It's like like I'm I'm really glad that you're talking to me. Whether or not you you want to stay with your coach or not, I'm glad that you had enough self awareness to set up this call and you're wanting to take care of your health. I think as well, like conversations like this are important because there will be people listening to this that have never thought, ah, oh, I could just have a consult with someone and ask them some questions because we become so whether you have been in bodybuilding for a long time or not we become so like my coach says I do my coach doesn't say then I don't need you know and we just take their word as gospel Um, I think it's important like speaking with you and speaking with Olivia um, and other coaches that we've got coming on and educators that we've got coming on um, in future episodes to just be like it's it's okay you're not going behind someone's back you're not doing the wrong thing you're not like disobeying anyone you're just like looking at the tools that you've got to hand and saying right well I just want to know more I just want to educate and it's it's fair enough like if you google things and it doesn't come up it's because we kind of are new to this we're we're starting something new. We're doing things that haven't necessarily been done before. I mean, Daz, you said that you'd been implementing TRT for a while. I think you said three years. And then you were like, whoa, 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 whoa. Everyone's talking about this. I've been doing this for a while. Um, but when 
when you don't know where to go and you don't know, oh, we could have a consult with Daz about this or, oh, she's written a piece on the Seat Collective app about this, the member site. Um, you just Google it because we Google everything. Washing machines broken. We Google it like you want to go to a restaurant. You want to know what's on the menu. You Google it. So when it's like, oh, it's not on Google. If you don't realise that you can book these consult calls, I think you just ref kind of revert back to your coach and go, what do I do? And if they haven't got that, the ability to take a step back and go, do you know what? I don't know, but I do know someone that will know. I think yeah, that's where we just need to leave the ego at the door. Yeah, and I think Astri will all be well aware of the other compounds that are available to females who use like the non-endogenic compounds. And so I think like if you're listening to this as a female and your coach only has you running Anabar, then maybe set up a call and, you know, say, look, I've, I've been listening to a few podcasts with with people who are, are well familiar with female physiology and female PED use. Um, is there a reason why I'm only on Anabar? I think um, for a very very long time that was seen as the bikini the drug. drug of choice yeah yeah, yeah like and, and actually I had a conversation recently with um a figure um lady same age as me and um she's been in the sport a long time and she is very muscular um and she said to me yeah yeah I've up until this year um and since moving coaches but my old coach literally only had me on Anavar and I was like as a figure girl, you just, just out of orange. She was like, yeah, like for a long time. Yeah. And that blew my mind because I was like, she's a coach as well. So I was like, well, why only Anna Bar? And she said, well, that's just, that's just what I was told to do. Yeah. That's just, lim it's just total limitation of knowledge though, isn't it? And it's, and mm. it's, I think it's this old school approach as well. So I think there's a lot of coaches out. There's like a new school era of bodybuilding coaches and it's like an old school. And I think the old school is like they competed a long time ago. They've been doing this a long time and they're like, OK, and if I went stroll off you go. And like I've I've got a client who's who has had a few of these well-known older school coaches come to me and she's like, yeah, OK, so I've got um, I've got loads of Stanazole and loads of Anavar, like and that's all I've ever run. And I'm like okay well we don't need to win any run winstrol we don't need to run out of our and we can do this mm. this and this oh okay i don't even know what that is and this is a this is a high level like wpd athlete who is in a position where like she's got a lot of muscle but potentially could have got there very very differently and is in and he's later in life like mid 30s or late 30s and doesn't even you know is never ran gh and come from these old school bodybuilders who are like no that's just what we do and still mm -hmm. run that same protocol with their clients now and that's not because they're saying i don't want to know about this new like new era bodybuilding and, and safer models and ways to do things it's not saying they don't want to know that but it's like they're not really interested because what they've been doing for years works and they're quite happy doing that no one's going to question them they get their results like crack on but this mm. new era of bodybuilding and this kind of like modern day coaching approach and, and more educated approach you know joe bringing out physique collective and you know john jewett putting his modules out and you know there's, there's there's other there's other people doing that as well um is really changing the game in the industry especially now for women and it's turning i think it's incredible yeah and if, it, if we like i kind of explained it to the females like i'm not against using antigens and i'm not saying that in this uh, model that we're not going to ever introduce androgens again 
what I'm saying is that we can create a polypharmacy model that's going to allow you to get more out of the times that you're not on antigens. And it's going to allow us to get rather like really appreciable results from that because we're going to have more of what allows us to recover. We're going to have more of what allows us to better nutrient partitioning. But then at the same time, when we do go to introducing an antigen, we're going to have this kind of catalytic model in the background that's going to allow us to get more out of that than just using the antigen on its own. Yeah. Um, I think we've imparted a lot of fantastic knowledge and experience there. Um, something I just wanted to touch on a little update, and I'd be interested to see if um, Daz, you had the same experience in Mads. I think we've touched on this briefly before. Um, but so I can't actually remember how long it's been. Mads, you might remember when I started FemTest because you starred it in our, our WhatsApp group. <laughs> I could check right now. <laughs> I reckon it I reckon it was like the first week in December. I feel like it was like the first or something crazy like that. There was a one in there for sure. While you're checking that, um we talked about like that fog lifting um and the benefits of implementing kind of hormone replacement not for like leave bodybuilding at the door, but just for feeling better and um your body looking better and like mentally just in a better place all around um and yeah it was like about three weeks in that I was so happy one day um and I was like this I don't know why and someone was like you seem, you seem good and I was like yeah yeah I don't know I just feel good and it was like three or four days that just constantly feeling like that and I was like oh is this is this what other people feel like now? Is this normal? Um, and and I've kind of been waiting for it to, you know, just be a little bit of a placebo and me like making it up in my head. But genuinely, that feeling of just not feeling downtrodden and feeling a bit numb and crap is, excuse my French, but fucking fantastic. Yeah, I remember us having this conversation. I've got it here. I've got it bookmarked. <laughs> Sixth of the twelfth at one thirty-five, you messaged me and you were like, "We're on." <laughs> I um, yeah, I and I said to you, didn't I? Like, you don't even though we since having these conversations, like me and you, for months and months and months, you're like, "Yeah, I do feel a bit down. I do feel like maybe something's not right." And I was like, "You don't realize until you start to feel a bit better that actually you did feel mm. really shit." And then I don't really know what it is. You can't really put your finger on it, but you just kind of like start to elevate a little bit, and you're like, "Oh, my mood's a bit better." my sleep's a little bit better, my energy's a little bit better, like, I'm not as, like, moody, I'm a bit, I feel mm. like, I say moody, like, down, you're, like, a bit more tolerant, you're a bit happier, you're a bit more social, and I think that that, it's hard to put your finger on, but when you get that feeling back, and I don't know whether you felt like this, does at some point, but when you get this feeling back, like, you're like, oh, okay, yeah, I wasn't quite right before, and that intertwines with everything. And me and Hannah quite happily will talk about sex and libido. But that yeah. starts to rise again. And you get you you just feel better from that perspective. You start to be like even potentially like interested where you haven't been interested before. And it'd be interested to know if your scenario is the same, Daz. But you just start to feel a little bit more alive. And I can't ever imagine not not feeling like that again now. I think the biggest thing for me is that like coming from a history of eating disorder, I was very fearful of gaining body weight. Um, I was very cautious of my body image and things like that. And uh, during my off season, I think that was like the first time where I 
my my like I was definitely like obviously because of season I wasn't as lean as I, I had been before but I never I never concentrated on that um I just was like like I want to have sex <laughs> like yeah <laughs> I want to do these things like I want to go out I want to wear nice dresses I want to look like a female like I kind of want to no I want to do my hair and makeup I want to I want to make TikToks and things like that where it's like, like I never felt like that before um so I like I think that was that was the biggest thing for me was and I, I don't know if that was an increase in energy availability, but then like that undoubtedly came because I was I was restoring my own physiological levels that I felt better mm-hmm. and like I, I was I was happy to eat more, I was happy to gain weight, I was happy to um, have a softer look to me. Um, because it, yeah, I just I felt more like I don't know other another way to describe it. I just felt more sexually alive um when I was in that and I felt I felt more sexy like I never thought that that would be a case like I never thought that if I gained some body fat that I would feel more confident in a bikini I'd feel more confident wearing you know what I wanted to wear when I went out and things like that but it, it most definitely was there's a study about this on on PubMed there isn't a lot of information about females winning testosterone but there is a, a fairly good study about the um about a two groups of women running HRT uh, postmenopausal and like one one set um one group running just HRT and one running HRT plus testosterone replacement and that is exactly what they say like the, the women running HRT like yeah I feel a little bit better like I haven't got all this like up and down all the time but I feel a bit more better a bit stable like I'm able to sleep and then you've got the women who are taking testosterone replacement theory on therapy on top and they're like yeah sexual like sexual libido and feeling is there I feel better I feel more feminine I feel sexier I've got more confidence therefore they're they're more socially active and their their feeling is all of the things that we've just described I I think that an element for competitors is like you're right that energy deficiency disappearing and coming back but Mm -hmm. I think intertwined with having like a hormonal base that is in a good place I think that they match together because like you just said Daz you know if if your hormonal base isn't a good place you don't really want to be sociable anyway and you're probably not going to then make you know um make energy for going out for dinner and doing all those social things that you would do so I think they kind of come hand in hand a little bit but I think if you haven't got that support you're really forcing the forcing the socialness forcing the feeling good forcing yourself to try and do those things whereas when you generally feel better the want and willing is there anyway yeah Well, on that note, I think that's been a fantastic episode. I want to thank you, Daz, for coming on and sharing your story, um, sharing your experiences and your education as well. Um, And if you did mention your uh, IG handle at the beginning of this episode, but for those that can't remember, could you just remind us of where anyone can find you if they want to? Uh, yeah, so if anyone's wanting to inquire about coaching or sign up for a, um, a consultation, uh, it's at Coach Darian Bates, and uh, it's the same thing for my YouTube and my TikTok. Um, and then uh, I'm on the Physique Collective um, as a female PD educator there. I'm not a coach under the Physique Collective, um, but I also have my own personal log there if anyone wants to have a sneak peek of what drugs I'm using, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. And Mads, remind us of your handle, please. 
Yes, uh, Instagram is Mads Raw, and I think if anyone's got any questions off the back of this and wants to ask anything to us or myself and Hannah, like for episodes going forward, because we've got some really good stuff lined up, please do just drop us a DM as you always do. But very welcome to ask questions. Amazing. Thank you very much. Thank you for joining us. We've got an international Galdem crew on today, Dubai, Australia and the UK. So we're all in different time zones. So thank you, ladies, for taking the time to join. Um, it's been fantastic. And until the next, thank you very much for listening.